You are now listening to the Way to Go Youth Podcast with Pastor Jerome Baker. This podcast is an outreach of a place of refuge church located in Carrollton, Georgia, where the pastor is Bishop Barry Walker. Our vision is to help youth and young adults to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's word. Now, let's receive Pastor Baker with today's message. You are listening to The Way to Go. First Lady Baker as well. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. The first word in Mark 4, verse number 3, is listen. Jesus wanted his audience to listen. So much so, he put emphasis, or the writer put emphasis by including an exclamation point. Listen. Now, listen has a number of meanings. First and foremost, I want to give you two. First of all, to pay close attention. Don't allow anything or anybody to distract you. You got to lock in. You got to make sure that you are focusing on what the Lord is saying. And though the Lord was speaking directly to his audience in the scripture, because the Lord does not change, he still is speaking to his people today through yielded vessels. But it's important for us to listen or pay close attention. Biblically, to listen also means to not only pay close attention to, but to apply what you have heard. I, don't just, I just don't want you to hear it, but I want you to give heed to it or apply what you are hearing taught. And that's important for young people, young adults, parents, leaders, and so forth. We just don't need knowledge and understanding or we need to hear it. We need to make sure that we uh, apply it. We need to make sure that we put it into action. And so it begs the question, why Jesus? Why do we need to listen? Let me give you a couple of reasons. Let's go to Hebrews 2 and verse number 1. Why do we need to listen? Now, while you're turning to Hebrews 2 and 1, Jesus talked about in Mark 4, 24, look, you, you need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful who you heed or who you hear. Because who you lend your ear to, you're going to receive basically what you're receiving. So who we listen to is very, very important. But notice the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 2 and 1. He says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. If you or I are not listening, paying close attention and applying what the Lord is speaking, a drifting away is going to take place. A person that allows what they hear to go in one ear and out the other, it's just a matter of time before they go astray. 
It's just a matter of time before they get out of the will of God. And young people, you and I, we don't need to get out the will of God. We know the will of God is the safest place and the best place for us to be. But if we don't take heed to what we hear, you're going to go astray. You're going to start doing stuff that you once said you would never do. You're going to start doing contrary to how you was taught and how you was raised. Look at somebody say, don't drift away. Bottom line, a person going to backslide. If you and I don't take heed or listen and apply, or as the Hebrew writer said, give the more earnest heed to what we hear, you're in trouble. A drifting away is going to take place. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So either you're going to drift away or you're going to cleanse your way. The choice is yours. You can either drift away or here the psalmist says we can cleanse our way. If I take heed to God's word, number one, I'm going to purify my life. See, if I heed the word, Jesus said we can be sanctified by his word. The word will clean you up. The word will help you with them bad habits. The word will help you with your sin. Matter of fact, it will deliver you from your sin. You just got to make up in your mind, I'm going to take heed to what I have heard. Because I don't know about you, but I have the understanding that the wages of sin is death. But, but I can clean my sin up if I just take heed to the word. If I repent, if I turn, if I confess my faults or my sins to God, he is faithful and just to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. All I got to do is just take heed to what I have heard. And some of us need to, to realize this your word right here. Because when you look in your life, you know there's some things you need to clean up. But you can't clean them up on your own. Some of us have tried or even ignored certain things in our life. But the word for the day is take heed to the word and watch the Lord clean you up. Watch he clean you up from your head all the way down to the sole of your feet. He'll change your mind. He'll change the way you talk. He'll change the way you live. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Tell somebody he'll clean you up. But, but cleansing your way not only has to do with being cleaned or purified or sanctified, it also has to do with prospering. When we take heed to the word, God will prosper our way. He'll cause us, the Bible says, to be blessed in all of our deeds. That's why I don't just need to be a hearer of the word, but I also need to be a doer of the word. It's nothing wrong with taking notes, but do the notes. You should come to church, but practice what is preached. And if you do it, you're going to prosper. He's going to make your way prosperous. It may not be prosperous the way you want right now, but if you continue in the word, the truth is going to make you free or prosper. I got to prosper. Look at somebody say, I'm blessed. 
even though I may be going through something right now because I'm doing the word, I am blessed. And it's just a matter of time before what I see changes. All I got to do is make sure that I'm doing what I am hearing. Tell somebody, either you're going to drift away or cleanse your way. The choice is yours. Shout what you're going to do. That's it. But how many know we living in a day where folk are falling away? Folk are drifting away. The Bible talks about how in the last day there will be a great falling away. There will be a great backsliding. And, and why is it happening? Because folk are not taking heed to the word. It's happening to young folk and it's happening to grown folk. But I done made up in my mind I'm going to heed the word. Even when I mess up, I get myself together because I'm not going to drift away. I'm not going to fall away. I'm going to let God cleanse my way. Am I talking about you? And so he says in our text, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. One of the most important parables that Jesus taught is this one right here. Look. A sower went out to sow. A farmer went out to scatter seed. The sower in the verse is God's preacher. The seed is the word of God. Jesus is telling his audience, look, listen, God's preacher is going to scatter seed or give you message after message. Going to give you the, the word. And, and how many know the word is important? I said the word is important. We should value God's word more than anybody or any or anything. And we know when it comes to the word, we have the written and the revealed. And God's word should be the foundation of your life. I said God's word, what is written and what is revealed should be the foundation of your life. Now, when it comes naturally to a seed, young person, notice the quality and the strength of a seed will determine the type of fruit that comes forth. The quality of a seed is very important. If you got a strong seed, a natural seed, you're going to have or can have some good fruit. In our day and time, what's popular is hybrid seeds, seeds that are made in a lab. That, that's, that's why when you get certain tomatoes at the store, you can go and leave a tomato on the counter at the house and two, three weeks can go by and, and the seed and, and, the, and the tomato is still shining. You'd be like, why this seed or this tomato ain't turned? If it was natural, something would have happened. But then you go down to the market and you get you a tomato that done came out of the ground from a real seed. It's juicy, it's plump, but you only got a short time to eat that fruit before it starts turning. The quality of the seed makes the difference. 
What does that mean to us? The quality of the teaching that you get makes the difference. The tight word that you get, young people, makes a difference. See, there, there are preachers up every week, but sadly, they're giving the congregation junk food. And when you look at the quality of the Christian in the congregation, you'd be like, no wonder they're not being taught. But when you got a preacher giving you a quality word, you're going to see a strong Christian, or you should see a strong Christian. You should see a Christian that's thinking, talking, and acting based upon the will of God. Am I right about it? So what am I saying? You should cherish your preacher that's giving you a good word. You, you should thank God. You should pray for and appreciate a preacher that's giving you a quality word. May not, may not tickle your ear, but, but, but I want the truth even if it steps on my toes. Because a good word like that going to give you some act right. A good word like that is going to help you to receive the promises of God and be who God desires you to be. You ought to look at somebody and say, I thank God for good teaching. Woo! I said, I thank God for good teaching. I can look in young folk life and tell when they got good teaching. I can look in grown folk life and tell they got a good pastor somewhere in their life. And it's okay to have a good phone. It's okay to have a nice car. But you need to have a God-sent preacher in your life that's teaching you or training you in the way that you should go. If I'm right about it, somebody shout, he right about it. Biblically, the word of God helps us in every aspect of life. You need to know that. Every aspect of life, the word can help us. And it should be valued. It should be valued. So much so that you spend time in the word. So much so that you allow that word to be a part of your thinking, your talking, and your, your actions. Tell somebody the word should be valued. Yeah. You need to put the highest value on God's word, your, yourself. And when we look in scriptures like Matthew 4 and 4, which many of you know, we see what I'm saying is true. Jesus said, in part, man cannot live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see how valuable the word is? I can't live unless I have the word. I will die if I don't have the word. It's valuable. Isaiah 55 and 11. Many of you have heard this verse, but you may not have known where it was. Isaiah 55 and 11. Notice the value of the word. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me how? Void. But it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The word is so valuable and powerful when it comes forth. When God sends a word, whatever he has determined that word to do, it's going to do. May take some time, but it's going to happen. 
may have to go through something, but it's going it's to happen. Do you see the word is a guarantee? Just because you got an education, that ain't guarantee your success. Just because you cute, that ain't going to guarantee your success. Just because you popular or come from a family with means, that don't mean you're going to be successful. But if you ever receive the word, that's a guaranteed success. If you ever allow the word to become a part of your being, you got a guaranteed success. That's how powerful the word is. That's why I can't let it go. I got to have the word. What about you? And so when it comes for, when it's preached, when it's taught, it can change my life for the better. How many see it just from these two verses? But it depends on what I do with it. The word is that valuable and powerful, but it depends on what I do with the word. And that's what we see in our verses in Mark 4, 3 and following. Jesus is talking about the sower sowing a seed or the word. But he's saying, look, it's certain grounds that the seed going to fall on. And depending on the ground will determine what happens with the seed. The ground represents a person's heart or a person's life. When the word comes for, you got to realize there's some ground rules. The word is always going to be the word. But if what God desires for it, it to happen in my life, I got to do something. I got to realize what type ground am I? It's some ground rules. Look at somebody say, it's some ground rules. Yeah. It's some ground rules. Now, as I said earlier in this parable, Jesus talks about five different types of grounds, but I'm only going to deal with two on this morning. The first ground that he deals with in the text is found in Mark 4 and 3. Jesus said, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. The wayside is the first ground. You have some young people, some adults that are considered to be by the wayside. The seed is sown but the birds come, take the seed and devour it. Well, what does this mean? Jesus explained it in Mark 4 and 15. He said, and those, and these are the ones that are by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The word is put on the table, but they allow the birds to come and get it. They allow Satan and his demons to come and just take the word that was sown. And you got that in here. And notice 
how the scripture des describes Satan and his demons when it comes to the word. Once that word is taught, when does Satan or his demons come? Immediately. You know what that says about, about them? They serious about the word. They serious about the word. They don't waste no time in trying to take the word from the person who just heard it. Isn't it amazing how Satan is serious and understands the value of the word? But some of God's young people are not that serious and understand the value of the word. So much so that somebody can just come and just take the word out of their out of their heart immediately. Before they even get out of church, somebody done got the word taken from them already. Before they get home, somebody done already got the word taken from them. Satan takes away the word. He removes it, causes a person to loose it, or makes them doubt what they, what they heard. He removes it. The person loses it. Or he causes them to doubt what they just heard. Has the enemy ever taken the word immediately from you? Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and, and not just say something. Let's show something. Let's have show and tell. By a show of hands, has the enemy ever taken the word from you? Well, let me put mine up too. Yeah. By the wayside. There are many ways or methods the enemy uses. But one I want to talk about on this morning that some of us have experienced or maybe are experienced. He takes the word out of your heart by creating confusion. Confusion. Man, I'm going to confuse him. And while he's confused, I'm just going to take that word out of his heart. I'm going to confuse her about some things in her life. And while she focused on that, I'm going to take the word right out of her heart. See, when a person is confused, they're uncertain and misguided. They're to the point that where they just like, I, I just don't know. Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I go to the back? Should I go to the front? I, I'm just confused. Uncertain. Should I do? Shouldn't I do? One week they think they should. The next week they think they, they, think they shouldn't. Confused. Misguided. Now, the Holy Spirit should guide us into all truth. But when a person confused, one minute they may listen to God. Another minute, they may listen to a friend. 
Another minute they may listen to them themselves. Another minute they may ask Google. Another minute they may look on YouTube. They just miss God. Jesus said it like this, strange voices. Yeah, a whole bunch of voices that they listening to that they should be fleeing from, they're giving heed to. And so now the person is in a state of confusion. Confusion. Uncertainty. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And, and, and what I have learned is that when you're in a state of confusion, you get discouraged, depressed, angry, and such. But remember, while you in that state, the enemy done took the, he done took the word. See, we got to remember that God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, right? God is not the author of what? Confusion. And so whenever confusion is in your neighborhood, you need to know this is not of, of God. It's not of God. Confusion will attack you. I said confusion will attack you. But it's not because you're so great. It's, it's because it's trying to get you a point. It's trying to get that word out your heart. You go from focusing on the promises of God to focusing on your, on your problems. And before you know it, you, you looking at God funny. Not believe in the word the way you, you should. In a state of confusion. And he done took that word out of the heart. Who ever been there before? Whenever you find yourself there, you'll start breaking down. Because you're not focusing on what you should. You start breaking down emotionally, your prayer life breaking down, your trust in God is breaking, it's breaking down, your nerves break, <laughs> breaking down, and all that is not of God. It's not of God. And then you know what I found out? You start making bad choices bad decisions. You start doing stuff you shouldn't, shouldn't do or things that are out of your character. And you find yourself, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Because your focus is not where it need to be. But can I help somebody on today? If you ever find yourself in that place you got to remember, it's just bigger than you. This spirit or my flesh, this spirit is trying to take the word that was sown into my heart. I got to make sure I hold on to that word. I got to make sure that no matter what I go through, 
what I deal with, I got to hold on to what is written and what is revealed. That's what Paul said in Philippians 2 and 16. He said, holding fast the word of life. Tell somebody you got to hold on to the word. Yeah, when that word comes, it's your rhema. It's the word that encouraged you, the word that spoke to you, the word that showed you that everything is going to work out together for your good. You got to hold on to that. Because the enemy is going to try to take it and he'll use you, he'll use somebody else, or he'll use a situation. But you got to hold on to that word. You got to make up in your mind that I am not going to allow this word that I heard to be taken out of my heart. You got to fight. You, you got to fight to hold on to that word. David said it like this. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Tell somebody you got to hold on to that word. God is going to do what he said. You are who God said you are, but you got to hold on to it. You got to fight for that word. You got to stand on that word. You got to believe that word because once the word went out, it's not going to return to God void, but you got to hold on to it. You got to persevere. You got to keep fighting. You got to keep moving forward. And I want to encourage somebody. The enemy may be trying to take the word out of your heart, but you got to get some fight back and let them know he can't have it. It's my season of bigger. It's my season of better. It's my time for turnaround. God is going to do everything that he said he would do. In my life. Healing is mine. You going through something in your body, you got to fight to hold on to your healing. He said by your stripes, you were healed. You got to preach to yourself so you can hold on to that word. Sometimes the pain is just so real, as you say, but God's promises have got to be realer. God's promises, God's word has got to be something that you rely on despite how you feeling. Tell somebody you got to hold on to the word. Yeah, you got to hold on to the word. You got to ball your fists up. Come on, say you got to hold on to that word. Yeah, you got to be the type of ground that is not by the wayside. You don't let the birds of the air, you don't let the devil or anybody take the word out of your heart. And if so happen they do get that seed of that word, you better go back and get it. You better recover what was yours. You better go back and say, that's mine. Let me get back what God told me. Let me take back what the enemy stole from me. How many know you got to recover sometimes what you lost? Yeah. Lose your phone and let me see what happened. You going to be okay with losing that phone? No, you're going to try to go and find who took it or where you lost it at. But in the word more valuable than that phone, in the word more valuable than your car keys, you ever misplaced your car keys and you looking everywhere, where did I put them? I lost them. Well, you got to be like that with the word. When your enemy take the word out of your heart, you got to repent and go back and get it and say, he promised me this and I'm going to stand on it. Hold on to the the most valuable thing we have, young people, is the word. Look at somebody say, the word is valuable. Yeah, the word is valuable. That's where our life is. But then the second ground is what we need to be. We don't need to be by the wayside, but we do need to know the enemy going to come immediately to try to take that word. And he got to fight here. What about in your neighborhood? He got to fight. He said, or talks about in Mark 4 and 8. He says, but the other seed 
fell on good ground. And it yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some 30 fold, some 60, and some 100. Good ground. Good ground. Don't be the wayside. Be the, the good ground. You know, in order to have good ground, you got to cultivate that ground. You got to plow that ground. You got to work on that ground. How many know you got to work on yourself? I said every day you got to work on yourself. When, when you see things in you and, and, and it's not right, we can't have the mindset, Lord, take it from me. No, sometimes you got to lay it aside. You got to lay the weight and the sin aside. You got to get them rocks out the ground. You got to get them stones out the ground. You, you got you to gotta cultivate the ground. Yeah, you got to have a steady prayer life. That's cultivating the ground. You got to realize that you ain't all that and you can be rebuked, checked, and corrected. You got to get that ground right. Yeah, I want to be good ground. So when that word comes, it's going to do what it do. How many want the word to do what it do in your life? And so he says, the good ground. Notice the good ground is described in Mark 4 and 20. He said, those or these are the ones sown on the good ground. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. What do they do? They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Now, we done dealt with hearing the word. But look at this second one. Accepting it. Receiving it. Woo, stepping on your toes, but you need to act, accept it as being true. May not like who's saying it or what they're saying, but if it's true, you need to act, accept it. Receive it. Receive it. And then you're going to begin to bear, bear fruit. But what I want to deal with is what's in verse 8, our main text. Notice what Jesus says about the good ground. It yielded a crop, and three things happened. It sprang up, increased, and what? Produced. When you're good ground, three things going to happen. Once you hear that word, that seed is going to yield a crop, and it's going to spring up. What else? Increase, and what? Produce. I need the whole house to get on board. What's those three things it's going to do? It's going to? Spring up, come on, increase, and produce. When you're good ground, this is what's going to happen in your life. Spring up. It's suggesting a noticeable change. See, when you hear and apply that word, people are going to start seeing you changing for the better. See, when a seed is put into the ground, and covered by the dirt and water and is receiving the proper nourishment, even though we don't see anything on the surface initially, something is taking place below the ground. And, and because something is taking place below the ground, in time, the seed germinates and then it springs up. And you start saying, hey, it's look, at, look at that seed right there. A noticeable change. See, if you're receiving the word, we should see a noticeable change in that attitude. A noticeable change. 
If you receiving the word where you go, when you was a sinner, you shouldn't be going there no more. It's a noticeable, a noticeable change. When you receiving the word, the things that you think on, it should be a noticeable change. How you talk to folk, it should be a noticeable change. Why? You hearing and applying the word. You being taught about money, it should be a what? A noticeable change. Oh, man, she giving now. Oh, man, she being a good steward now and ain't complaining about it. Oh, man, she, she paying her bills now. A noticeable, a noticeable change. I said it earlier, but how many know it's true? See, if you in Christ, the old becomes new. And you should be able to look in your life and see, man, God changing me. But other folk at your school, your job, your family, they should be able to say, man, she different. She ain't perfect, but, but she changing. Something different about you. A noticeable change. How many can see God change your life and is changing your life? Yeah. Number two, or stage two, when you're receiving the word increase, should start happening. Increase, growth, maturity. You receiving the word now. You start, and you putting it into action. We should see some maturity. You know, one way you can tell a person is mature is how they deal with correction. See, whom the Lord loves, he's going to send a word to correct them. And, and so when God gives you a word, whether it be through the preacher or your parent or somebody else, if you're really growing, you're going to be like, okay, you're right. You're right. Fellas, you ain't going to be like a girl and be emotional and try to argue all the time. No, you're just going to be a man. You're right. You're going to take it. Learn and keep on moving and growing. Girls, you ain't going to be silly and childish and be gossiping all the time when somebody corrects you about how you carry yourself. You ain't going to talk about somebody who you think rolled their eye at you. No, you're growing now. You're mature. You're like, man, she, she, she just, she changes something different. Yeah, she getting that word and putting it into Maturity. You're growing. You should be able to look at every aspect of your life if you've been coming to church for a good while now. And hearing that word, you should see some growth and some uh, maturity. If you had a sex life before Christ and he doesn't saved you and filled you with the Holy Spirit, you ought to be able to look at your life and be like, you know what? Man, God doesn't help me. It's been two months. And I ain't done nothing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and that's not to say you don't go through things in your body and you don't be feeling things. But you can look, man, I'm growing. Man, I'm maturing. God is helping me. Man, you come to church even when you're mad at somebody you go to church with. You used to not come. But now, 
You can come to church and still be mad at somebody you go to church with. You know what that is? That's growth. That's that's maturity. No, because some folk, they can be mad at somebody they go to church with and stop coming to church. That's childish. Look at somebody say, that's childish. But you can come to church now and, and not get in no argument and receive the word, take your notes, get your shout out, give God his tithing offering, speak and lead. Boy, you maturing. You growing. Because some folks be like, man, I need to find somewhere else. Why? If God sent you to a place, you don't let nobody move you from that place. Increase. But then you should not only see increase or maturity in your life, you should see increase in how God is moving for you. You you should be able to look in your life and say, man, God is blessing me. God is doing some things for me. And I know it's because I'm in his will. You may not be where you totally desire to be, but you should be able to look and say, man, God is blessing me. Man, I got a little change in my pocket now. Man, look at me. I'm able to buy some things that I wasn't able to buy before. Man, God is blessing me. I'm going places I ain't never been before. I'm doing things I ain't done before. Man, God is is blessing me. Man, the doctor said this was going to happen, but God did something. God is is blessing me. Man, me me and my wife, we, we get into a place now. We able to just deal with problems better now. God is blessing. He increased he increased. Man, got a 10 cent raise on my job. God is. <laughs> it's 10 cent. But hey, thank God for the increase. You should see maturity in your life, but you should also see how God is doing for you. Am I right about it? Even though you're young, you should still see God increasing in your life. And don't compare what he's doing in your life to what he may or may not be doing in somebody else's life. You look at what God is doing for you, and you be happy about it. And you celebrate with other folk when God is doing for them, even if it's on a larger scale or a smaller scale. But you should see increase. You hearing that word. Another area you should see increase is the things that you go through. You're going to see increase in problems and trouble. Don't get it twisted. Many are the (laughs) afflictions of the righteous. But you know what God uses to mature us? Problems, trouble. You know what keeps some of us praying? Problems, (laughs) trouble. You know what keeps some folk in church? Problems. Because you know, Lord, I can't handle this on my own. I need you. Yeah. And so when you're in God, sometimes you got to realize you're going to have to go through a number of things just because you're righteous. And that's just part of the package. So increase can happen in those three different areas plus others. But those are the ones I'm being led to deal with. Because we're talking about folk that's hearing that word and receiving it, right? And the final area, he says, in my clothes, 
is that the crop or the ground will start to produce. It's going to spring up, it's going to increase, and it's what? Going to produce. See, when you're hearing that word and doing that word, you're going to start seeing widespread fruitfulness. You're going to start being productive in every area of your life. You're just not coming to church and being productive in ministry. No. We can look on your job, even though it may be part-time or full-time, and we can see you being productive on the job. Man, we, we can look at your bills and we can see, man, you being productive when it comes to taking care of your bills. Man, you can look at your health and you can say, man, I'm being productive when it comes to my, my health. Every area, you're being productive. We can look at your grades and we can see that you're being productive. We can go and talk to your teachers and we can hear you got a good name at school. You're being pro. Remember, this is only for the person that's hearing and applying that word. Now they're starting to be fruitful in every aspect. We come to a game, we see you being pro productive. Even if you don't get in the game, we see you on the sideline cheering everybody else up. You being pro productive. Every aspect of life. When it comes to your relationships, I say when it comes to your relationships, we should see that it's in the will of God. You're being pro-productive. You think God just want grandmama and them to be productive in every aspect of life? No. He wants his young people, his young adults to be productive in how many areas? Every area. Every area. You're hearing that word, you're applying it, and now you're being fruitful in every area of your life. That don't get y'all excited? So you got to make up in your mind what type ground are you going to be. You're going to be by the wayside where the enemy can take what you heard or you're going to be the good ground. You're going to be the good ground to where people can see a noticeable change and give God glory. They can see maturity and increase and they can see that you being productive in how many areas of your life? Every area. It's your choice. Because it's ground rules to this thing. The word is coming forth. You're being taught. But what type ground are you? Don't allow confusion to be one of the tactics that the enemy uses to take the word out of your heart. Hold on to that word. Hold on to that word. Let God's word be a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path. Don't allow the tactics of the enemy to take that word out of your heart. How many received the lesson on this morning? I'm going to stop right there. Let's give God a hand clap for the text and the topic.